Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of the High Motion Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your co-host Jovan Alfred, and shortly I'll be joined by my my by my other co-host, none other than Harrison Brown, the AFL insider himself from ArenaFan.com uh, to break down the first weekend of playoff action and looking forward to this weekend's uh, slate of playoff games. But before we jump into any of that action, make sure that if you missed this podcast. Or if you if you if you missed this podcast or missed our previous one, which we just did with Philadelphia Soul uh, veteran defensive back James Romaine, you can check it out on various platforms. First and foremost, you can check it out on blogtalkradio.com backslash Total Sports Live. Or other than that, you can check it out on our various other platforms. You can check it out on uh, Apple Podcasts. Just search. Uh, Total Sports Live TSL. We really appreciate TSL Podcast. We really appreciate everybody that check us out and tune in uh, from over there. If you hit the subscribe button, you'll be able to, you'll be able to listen to all our episodes from this season um, and download them. They go they 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 download as well. Also, if you want to leave us a, a rating or review, that's cool too. We really appreciate everyone that you know that leaves us a, a rating or review and you know just gives us feedback because that's what makes you know this podcast you know what it is. Not only us, but the listeners that do tune in and uh, check out and, and check out our content. Um, other than that, we're also on Spotify as well. On Spotify, just again, search Total Sports Live TSL Podcast. Hit the follow button over there, and then then from there you'll be able to get all our podcasts from uh, this past from the, from just this entire season. As we'll be heading shortly into the off season, which should be eventful, and we got a lot of great ideas for that. And then before you know it, next season will be here, and that should be very uh, fun to cover. Um, as well for you all, but we're not thinking that far. We got to talk about what happened last weekend in Albany and down at DC. Two blowout games that happened in very different fashions. A lot of questions. Um, there are some questions from both of those games, and there's a lot of things that we realized coming out of those games. But I can't break it down by myself. You know who who's always joining me from the jump. He was the guy that was the mastermind behind. This podcast is the AFL insider himself, Harrison Brown of ArenaFan.com. Harrison, how are you doing? We're back again. Second podcast, second podcast this week. I think well, how many how many times we did this? Like three weeks in a row, I think. Three weeks in a row, I believe. I don't even know, man. Uh, chilling, bro. What's up? I'm playing Madden all day, man. I just been playing Madden, so <laughs> just had to get back into that arena football mindset. I just been going crazy on the on the sticks. Hey, it's not wrong with that. Trust me, I've been doing the same thing. My, uh, I think my <laughs> online record right now is like five and four right now. So I'm like killing yeah. it right now. So I'm putting, putting in that work with two teams, not one but two. But uh, this every you time that ultimate, every big ultimate team guy. You know what? I, I'm not a big. I'm. I, to be honest with you, I can't, I can't get an ultimate team. And I said the same thing about NBA my team. I was like, I'm never going to get into it. Then I started watching YouTube. And then I got into my team, and then I started watching ultimate team stuff, and I'm like, I might have to try it, but I don't know. And then I saw Demo tweeting about Madden this week, and I was like, Yo, Demo, you know, first of all, happy birthday! It was the, it was the goat's birthday this week. We gotta acknowledge and put some respect on that. It's the goat's birthday, and uh, I hit him up. I was like, Happy birthday! I was like, You gotta lace it up on Madden sometimes, and he was like. He he basically said I wasn't ready for this because he plays mutt and I said a word. I was like, well, I guess I had to play mutt then. <laughs> so looks like I'm saying, gonna have to uh, yeah. get, so like I'm gonna have to give it a try. What about you? Nah, I'm not a huge man, um, ultimate team guy, but I think I'm gonna try it this year. That's why I was bringing it up. I just it's like their biggest thing. That's what they put all the time and effort into. Like I'm already playing okay. franchise and QB one. I feel like I'm playing Madden 19 again. I feel like I got the same game. So I think I'm gonna have to get mm-hmm. to a uh, ultimate team because I'm already feeling like, dang man, I've been 
I've been playing the same game for the last year. Like, I feel like nothing's different. <laughs> so I'm going to have to get the ultimate team. For real. For real. And uh, we're for real. So if you people don't know, Madden is out. It came out this week. Standard Edition came out at midnight. So I know a lot of people are gaming and putting in that work uh, on the ultimate team circuit. Definitely is a lot of things uh, going on uh, with that. But we got some real football to talk about. And I'm not talking about all them folks that were on Twitter this week. You know, talking about, oh, my gosh, I can't believe football is back. We've been in a drought since the Super Bowl. Football is finally back, real football. And I sat there myself, and I was just like, really? Like, AFL football, AFL action has been going on since, like, the spring, but we're not going to acknowledge it? Cool, cool, cool. I I get it. I understand. But They don't know, bro. They they don't, but I bet. The AAF too this year. We've had a we've had a lot of football this winter. I feel like That's ever since uh, ever since the Super Bowl broke. Like anyone who really watched spring football this year, anyone who uh, was a dedicated spring football follower, I feel like I've been watching football all year. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying because right after the AAF was like over uh, unceremoniously, the AFL season was literally kicking off. Like right, like camp a, camp a opened later. up like that day. Yep. It sure did. So I mean, if yeah. you haven't been if you haven't been checking out the AFL action, you've been missing. But I I tell you this, if any AFL guy gets signed, watch they all scramble, be like, Oh, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Where did he play at? Da, 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 da. And then that's when they that start. That is true. That is true. That always happens. You 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 already know it's this this it's the song that never ends, my friend. It's the song that never ends. <laughs> but um let's look at let's look let's talk about the playoff action. Uh, we had two games last week. Both games were blowouts, but they were blowouts in very different ways. Let's first start off with what happened in Albany. It was just pure. Dom- it, it started off well for the Brigade. They opened up the game with a kickoff return touchdown from uh, Joe Powell, and it seemed like things could go the Brigade way. It seemed like, okay, the Brigade punched him in the mouth first. How was Albany going to react? Well, Albany did not shy away from the moment. Instead, they exploited the brigade and blew them out by a score of 61 to 26. A horrible game for Shane Boyd, 11 to 24 for 93 yards, no touchdowns, two ints. Uh, Shane Morris, who is your guy, he came in in relief and looked pretty solid, 8 to 12, 72 yards, two TDs. He looked good. Um, had to make had to make a lot of plays sometimes out of nothing with his legs or you know even catching his own pass that happened in that game. Uh, Joe Hills eight receptions for seventy six yards and two TDs. Uh, Tommy Grady, Grady another balling out game. You know looks like he's probably going to be the MVP this season. Fifteen to twenty for two hundred twelve yards and seven TDs. Quentin Sims seven receptions for one hundred six yards and five TDs. Rodney Fritz on the defensive end three sacks three forced fumbles who also got Defensive Player of the Week, which, you know, that can be up for debate when we talk about the awards coming up later in the show. And uh, Tevin Homer, he had a solid game, too, with five pass breakups, four total tackles, and one INT. So, Harrison, what were your thoughts from this game? And also, should the Baltimore Brigade start Shane Morris at quarterback on Saturday? Uh yeah, I probably I probably would go with Morris. Um, it's unfortunate that Boyd had such a rough outing because he had really had a, a pretty fun year, a pretty efficient year, and I mean I, I think the the tide was kind of turning for him in terms of you know people putting some respect on his name as a potential starter in this league. I think he proved he can be a starter in this league. I don't think that one bad outing should deter anything from that. He's going to be 37 next year. Um, I think that could be an interesting factor to see what he does, but. Uh, yeah, I would go with Morris in this one. I, I just feel like after, you know, such a such a poor outing, the offense just overall, I mean, they did not look like they were in sync at all. They were off on a lot of their passes. Um, it, it just wasn't going their way at all. Um, so, yeah, I would go with Morris. He came in and played a little bit better, uh, 8 for 12, like you mentioned. Uh, this just a little bit more efficient. But, I mean, the, the Albany offense, the Albany defense, they were just – you know, they just kept going. They just kept rolling. Like, they brought from, you know, what happened in the regular season, they brought it right into the postseason. Uh, Grady with the seven touchdowns, only had five interse- or, um, five incompletions, more touchdowns than incompletion. That's a good recipe. And, you know, after that kick return touchdown, once it was six to nothing, you know, Albany wound up running the score up to 35 to six. 
Uh, they really just they they just jumped out of the gate after that kickoff return for the touchdown and didn't look back. Um, by that time, Shane Boyd was out of the game. They didn't have an offensive possession that scored with Shane Boyd at quarterback. Um, you can't have that in the Arena Football League. And honestly, against Atlantic City, the offense was you know pretty slow as well with Boyd out there. So it's just been the past few weeks. It had kind of been a question mark a little bit on the broadcast as to you know who they would start. I think, like, Omar made a joke, like, uh, the starting quarterback's name is Shane. He wouldn't say which last name, though. I don't know. I figured it would be Boyd, but uh, they made it kind of seem like it was a thing. But um, I think it was the right move to pull Boyd. Uh, I felt like at that time in the game, it was just – it was time for that. And, uh, you know, I would go Morris, but uh, Shane Boyd is is the more experienced guy. Uh, Way, way better position, you know, if you're looking at, you know, trying to make a comeback. He's got more experience and all that, but I just feel like you can, you know, see what you have in Morris, see if you can't put something together that's crazy and magical. But, uh, yeah, 35-point cushion for the Empire heading into the next one. Definitely looks like them and the Soul are going to meet in the Arena Bowl. Um, it's pretty unfortunate that the last playoff game is kind of like a preseason playoff game. But, hey, that's the aggregate scoring. Hopefully they fix it for next year. Hopefully, you know, this is the last time that we have to have the two home and away playoff series. Yeah, for sure. You, we hope there's no aggregate because, like I said, this is the this is the problem, and I've been saying this a thing to you uh, over the last couple of weeks that the aggregate scoring it favors the team, the high, the, the more high powered offenses, and that offenses offenses, and I think we saw that in both in both games, the team with the high with the with the with the with the with the more complete offense and that can put up points is going to be the victor, you know, and. And in Albany, like you said, they were just clicking on all cylinders. Like Malachi Jones didn't really have a huge game. Like it really, Malachi only had, I think, what three receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. A really quiet Malachi day. But when you got Quentin Sims, you know, putting up the numbers he has this season, it just makes, you know, just makes life hard for you. And in Baltimore, like you said, you cannot go through possessions and possessions of not scoring. And and, and I'm glad you highlighted that because that's the same thing that happened in AC. They just looked slow. They just didn't look like they had that fire, that pep uh, in their step, and 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 it and it almost cost them that game. If it wasn't for Joe Powell, that's the crazy part. It almost cost them that game. So when you so so when you look from that from that aspect, and then go toward Shane Morris, like you said, if you're Baltimore, do you turn to Morris? To try to to see what you have for next season, or do you lean on the Wiley veteran and 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 Boyd, if to see if he you know to see if he can pull it together? I don't know. I think that's if you're Omar Smith, I think that's tough. I think it's a tough decision because if you go with Morris, what are you telling? If you're going with Morris, what are you telling your team? Yeah, I hear you on that. I mean, at the same time, though, Morris went out and and performed better in the last game. Um, oh yeah, for sure. So I think that kind of has a little bit of the dynamic to it, but yeah, Boyd is definitely the more experienced guy. I mean, if you're looking to, in my opinion, you know, try to go out there and be as competitive as possible, I think the experience would be important. But there is something to be said for you know the hot hand. There is something to be said for a quarterback mm-hmm. who's been in rhythm. And I think Morris looked a little bit more comfortable last week. I mean, he was making things happen. Right. He didn't exactly look comfortable like you kind of mentioned. Um, he had a few times where, like, he caught his own passes and maybe dropped a snap here or there. So there was definitely some rookie blues, but that's also a tough environment to play in for any quarterback exactly. out in Albany with the fans they have there. And it was no different, you know, for Baltimore. It was no different for Shane Boyd. Um, so, so that's a part of it too. But, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I, I think I would just go with Morris. But uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting, interesting call for Omar. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see uh, what happens in that game. Uh, Brigade will be at home taking on the Albany Empire. That game will be Saturday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on ESP on ESPN3. Uh, and let's move on to the other game, which was, which featured your town, our town, your team, the Philadelphia Soul. They went down to D.C. and put a whooping on the Valor. This is a this is a Philly team that had lost both regular season meetings to the Valor, but it didn't matter. They went down. They won sixty nine 
to 33 was an absolute day. It was just an absolute. Uh, it was an absolute. It was an absolute drubbing. And 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 DC had no answers. Dan Rodderball with 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 a perfect game almost 17 to 23 for 284 yards, 284 yards, six TDs and I six TDs and only one interception. Um, Darius Reynolds. Money Reynolds made his reappearance back on offense, and boy, did they need it, and did he not give the soul a shot in their arm on offense. Eight receptions for 115 yards and three TDs. Darius Prince, the Darius the Darius Tom, Darius Square combo, he went off as well for six receptions for 125 yards and two TDs. James Romaine led the team with six total tackles, three INTs and two pass breakups. And Malik Forrester, the rookie, he had one and a half sacks and a forced fumble. And then... On the D.C. side of things, Arvell Nelson, 22 of, 30, of 39 for 230 yards, four TDs, and, but three INTs. Josh Reese was the leading receiver for uh, Washington, eight receptions for 80 yards, but Doug McNeil and Reggie Graves had the touchdown receptions, um, had the touchdown receptions for uh, Arvell, and then Mario Norman with the interception. Interest, interesting statistic from this game. Uh, the soul on third down were four for four, while the while the Washington Ballot was four of nine. Harrison, you had a chance to be down at that game in D.C. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway uh, from the Soul's impressive victory over the Baylor? Felt like their most complete game of the year uh, in that one. I think that would be my biggest takeaway was I just felt like on all three phases they had a really good game. Um, offensively, like you mentioned, Darius Reynolds going back to offense. Uh, it, was, it was huge for them. It was definitely noticeable all game. It forced Washington to adjust the way that they covered defensively. Um, typically, they like to be a really aggressive team. They're going to run up to the line of scrimmage, try to press you, and then they might bail off into a zone and try to catch your quarterback with something like that. But when you have Darius Reynolds out there, it's very tough to press him because he's one of the most physical and strongest receivers in the league. Um, back a few years ago against Baltimore, he actually had a defensive back, the middleman pressed up against him, and he just, like, ran straight through him, uh, ran him straight into the ground. He's definitely one of the most physical guys in the league. Um, he's one of the best special teams contributors in the league, and he's just played defense all year. So that kind of tells you what type of receiver he is. So with that, you have to account for that. You have to play off a little bit more. And um, I felt like it opened a lot up for Rodeball. Um He had a very good game, very efficient, like you said. And um, it really did. It felt like on all three phases of the ball, they went out and dominated. Um, it was it was disappointing to see both games be a blowout like that. Um, I was definitely hoping for some closer games to give these next week, you know, this week's games a little bit of meaning. But um, from the football side of it for the Souls, I mean, it really couldn't have went any better. Um, they're definitely excited about the situation that they're in with a 36-point cushion. Uh, we thought 35 was a lot of points on Saturday, and then Sunday's game came about. And we had a 36-point cushion, too. So both blowouts, uh, both, you know, going to be interesting to see how the teams manage this lead. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Philly manages it with their starters, who they're going to pull, who they're going to leave in the game and all that. Um, you know, you only have so many players in the AFL. It's a 21-man roster. So they're definitely coming out this week expecting, you know, to play this game. They're trying to win. Uh, you mentioned in the beginning of the show we had James Romaine on who had three interceptions um, in this game. But when he was on, he was kind of talking about how they're going out there with the mentality that it's zero to zero. They're trying to win the game. They want to win it handily mm-hmm. and go into the arena bowl with a little bit of momentum on their side. Um, I definitely think that's the right strategy because, you know, it's a 36-point lead. It's not necessarily, you know, impossible, but the Solar definitely in a good situation. It's looking like they're going to advance to the arena bowl. You can't take your – your foot off the gas too much, though, um, just naturally with the small roster. You have your backup quarterback. I'm assuming Patrick O'Brien will come in and take some snaps in this game. But, I mean, you have two backup receivers, maybe a backup D lineman, a rotational guy, and a backup DB. Um, so you can't pull everyone. Uh, you know, the DBs, uh, at least two of those guys will stay out there. You can get one guy off the field. But um, there will definitely be a lot of starters in the game for the majority of the game for the soul. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, you know, kind of the chess match of the game goes for Albany and Philadelphia next weekend. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, like you said, you and, and like you said, Romaine said it best when we talked to him. Like you said, you got to go in that mentality 0-0 because weird things can happen, you know. 
and 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 I threw out this scenario um, after we interviewed, you know, Romaine, and that you know it's not out of the realm of possibility where you know Washington, you know, they have a it's not a possibility that at halftime, you know, I don't think it happened but hypothetically, you know, say if Washington, you know, has a twenty-one point lead at the half, so that means if we're doing the math here, that means the foe will only be a fifteen point going into halftime, if I'm not mistaken. And if that's the case, and we're talking 15 points aggregate, if that's the case, then I'm pretty sure Clint Dozell will not be happy with that. So then that means you're really pressing. So I think the soul, and I think Romain put it best, you know, they got to come in, you know, locked in, ready to go, just like they did in that first game, and really apply the pressure because they know they're going to get Washington's best shot. These are the defending AFL Arena Bowl champions. They're not going to bow down easy. They're not going to go out quietly. They're going to give you their best shot, and they got a guy, Arvell Nelson, who's going to get MVP consideration, is going to get Offensive Player of the Year consideration. He's not going to let this team just go down without a fight. So I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a fun game uh, to watch on, sun, on Sunday. I don't think it will be a blowout. I don't think that's going to uh, happen at all. Um, but I do want to say from outside of Reynolds' you know, performance, in that game. What also stood out to me just in general, Harrison, and you saw them up close and personal last weekend, was the defense. I thought the defense played well. And this is a defense that, you know, really struggled early on to get a pass rush. And, you know, they really they, – they didn't have a rhythm. And then they made some changes. Really, it's been an influx of a lot of young guys, from the Isaiah Stevensons to the um, to the Malik Foresters to the, to the, to the Jameer Outs to the outsees to now, you know, the, the Tyrell Burgesses and uh, the Brandon Cottoms that, you know, and, and Mack and Jack linebacker, you know, there's been a lot of young guys stepping up for the soul, and that really stood out to me, especially the linebackers, because linebacker, just like DB, is not easy in the AFL game. And I thought the two rookies, they played probably the best job you can play, you know, in their first playoff game. Yeah, well, I mean, you look over these past few years for the Soul defensive line-wise, they lost Justin Lawrence a few years ago, who went first-team all-arena nose guard for the brigade yesterday. Um, Jake Metz has been injured for a majority of this season. I think he only played two or three games. Teddy Jennings retired from football a few years ago. Willie McGinnis was on the team last year at nose guard. He decided not to, you know, come back. It was looking like he was going to retire. Then he signed with the Blackjacks. So they kind of had to go younger this year. They didn't. You know, they didn't really have a choice. They they lost a lot of guys in these past few years on that defensive line. Um, but, I mean, I, I like what they've, they've put together. At first, it really wasn't working. Um, just overall, it just wasn't the right combination of, of personnel in there. Um, they made some adjustments. There's really almost a, a much different defensive line uh, just overall with the people in the group. Um, but I, I like what they have. I think it's something that they can build on going into the off season. I definitely don't think, you know, the group is finished. I think they're going to probably need to go out and add some more pieces to it potentially. Um, but I, I like what they have. I think a lot of these young guys could develop into good players. Brandon Cotton is a true fullback, and he's been playing Mac linebacker for a majority of this season. So um, that kind of tells you the versatility that he has, and I think that's going to be very positive for them moving forward because, when you have a guy with that, you know, Iron Man ability still that can go both sides on such a small roster, it's definitely a positive, and he's done a good job of that this year. Malik Forrester had a real good tape and a real good performance um, in this playoff game. He, he from Fresno State, um, had a real good tape. He's kind of what you're looking for in a nose guard in the Arena Football League. You're looking for someone with good get-off, with a good first step, um, and some strength to him, too, and he definitely has all of those things, so. I'm excited to see how he keeps, you know, progressing over time. And um, Sean Daniels is kind of the veteran of the group now. He, he, um, I think he was named the second team all already yesterday. I'm pretty sure. Um, he had another pretty good season this year. Um, was dealing with, you know, uh, uh, an injury from last year when he really got hurt bad. Um, I think he had like ACL, MCL um, surgery. I, there might be another thing in there. I'm not exactly sure what it was, but. He really did. He had a, a huge surgery last year on his leg. Um, so he was still recovering coming into this year. He had the brace on. Uh, he took the brace off, and I think it gave him a lot more mobility, gave him a lot more range in his pass rush. Um, so, yeah, I like the way they played in this game. I like the way they're going to continue developing over time. 
And um, it's going to be important, you know, in this game against the Valor and then especially in the Arena Bowl against Albany to keep generating pressure because when you can get Grady out of the pocket, it can really disrupt his rhythm, disrupt that offense. But it's very, very hard to do so. That's why Ryan Caves was named Offensive Lineman of the Year today. Jordan Mudge was on first team. Michael Benson was on first team. They have a great offensive line. Mo Ruffins was named second team. And I think you probably could have made an argument for him to go first team. I know Coffey did make an argument to go for him to go first team. So that kind of is a testament to the offensive line they have that, you know, all four of their guys could have been named the first team. Obviously the league, you know, they can't do that. And Neil had a great year this year too. I think Neil was definitely deserving of first team 100%. It's just that Albany line was very, very good too. So um, the full D line is going to definitely need to generate a lot of pressure in both of these playoff games. For sure, for sure. And, you know, like you said, if if they can generate pressure, um, especially against Albany, if they if they get to the arena ball, that's huge. And then if they – and I think, like you said, if they can get pressure on Sunday against Arvell, that's huge. And I think that's, that's something that helped them in last weekend's game was making sure to keep Arvell in the pocket, not let him, you know, to get out to, you know, create plays with his legs or extend plays you know, to get guys open because Washington, we've said it all season, you know, they have a great collection of wide receivers and guys that can find open space and uh, and get open. So, hey, we will see what happens. Uh, Soul, uh, Soul uh, and the Valor, they, they play on Sunday, 4 o'clock on ESPN 3, Sunday at 4 ESPN 3. You're listening to the High Motion Podcast here on Block Talk Radio. This is Jovan Alford, joined none other by the AFL insider himself, uh, Harrison Brown. And Harrison, we are now at the point of the podcast where there's a lot of we're going to have a nice discussion, a nice discussion about the All Arena teams. You already hinted to who has made the All Arena teams. If you people haven't heard who's made them yet, here's a quick rundown of who made the first team: uh, Tommy Grady, Michael Benson, Malachi Jones, Quentin Sims, Darius Prince, Ryan Cave. Jordan Mudge, Neil Tivis, Joe Sykes, Daryl Cato Bishop, Justin Lawrence, Dexter Jackson, Terrence Moore, James Romain, Joe Powell, Varma Sony, Adrian Trevino, and Fabian Guerra rounds off the first team. And then when it comes to the second team, all arena, this team was a little bit more, how can I say that? There was a little bit more diversity um, in this team. Uh, we had Arvell Nelson leading things off with Adrian Ferns, Antoine Grant, Lamarck Brown, Joe Hills, uh, P.K. Manley, Kyron Samuels, Anthony Parker, Mo Ruffins, Monty Lewis, Sean Daniels, Terrence Taylor, James Gordon, Alvin Ray Jackson, Dwayne Hollis, Jock Satorian, Tevin Homer, Mark Lewis, and Joe Powell rounding off the second team. Joe Powell getting on there twice. Uh, second team for special um, teams, but Harrison, um, when you look at both of these teams, did you think that there was some Albany bias, or and in, in, in addition to that, was there any player that still was a big snub or a surprise on either list? Uh, Albany bias, I mean, it, it's honestly it's tough to say because I mean, listen, they went ten and two, and this is a six-team league. Uh, naturally, these lists are not going to look as pretty as they did back in, you know, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, when the league is full up of teams. I mean, there's going to be a lot of diversity on those lists. Like you mentioned, the second team list just naturally looks better um, with a a spread of teams. But I I honestly don't think the first team list was that wrong. I mean, finally one huge discrepancy um, on the Albany side. Um, I think you had mentioned maybe Ferns over Benson. I could see that, but, I mean, Benson had a great year as well. It's definitely no discredit to him. I felt like right. he was from the blocking aspect, he was good. Yeah, oh, definitely, man. And he's a veteran, too. Um, naturally, the veterans are going to get a lot of votes um, just because they've been around and guys know them and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I really didn't feel like there was one huge, you know, huge error on the first team list. I feel like the first team list, right. those are pretty much the guys who were – noticeably the best in the league. Um, I know people had argued about maybe Josh Victorian over Sony, but I think Sony deserved it. I think Sony had a really good year this year. I think that he was a difference maker for that Columbus team. He was one of the lone bright spots on a team who really struggled this year. So I think he right. deserved it there. And then um, going down to second team, 
I would like to have seen Keontae Northington on the list, but I think Tevin Homer had a yes. good year too. I know I know you'll get into that a lot more. I know you have a lot to say on that one. Um, so I'll leave that for you. Defensive line-wise, I mean, it was really tough to just pick, you know, kind of overall this year because the stats were so down on the defensive line just across the board. Uh, Monty Lewis had four sacks this year and three were in one game against Columbus. And that was like one of the top four was like one of the most in the league. Five and a half was the AFL leader, and that was Cato Bishop. So the numbers were just generally down. So it was kind of a little bit more interesting to see who would go where on that one. Uh, Terrence Taylor's a veteran on the Destroyers team. I think he was definitely deserving. But I think Justin Lawrence was the slam dunk. Uh, first team all arena knows this year. Antoine Grant, I was really glad to see him recognized on the list. I think he had an awesome year this year. I think he kind of had an underrated year and an under-talked-about year. Desmond Epps had the 200-yard performance, four touchdowns week one. And Fabian Guerra had that, I forget how, it was like six or eight touchdowns. I don't know. He had a bunch of touchdowns that one week. Um, so I feel like those two kind of initially broke onto the scene, and they had great years as well, don't get me wrong. I think rookie of the year is going to be very interesting. But Antoine Grant had a great year down in Atlantic City. He was definitely one of the most exciting pieces on that Blackjack team. Um, and then his teammate as well, Lamar Brown, had a, a really fantastic year. He was at one point leading the AFL in, uh, in combined touchdowns for receivers with receptions and rushing touchdowns, but Quentin Sims went ahead and just blew that out of the water eventually. But Lamarck had a really good year this year as well. I was very glad to see him on there. Um, Philip Keith Manley, um, he's a guy who doesn't really get as much love as he should. Um, at one point in one of the early press conferences, Dan Rodeball had said that he thinks he's the most athletic offensive lineman in the league. That's definitely – um, you know, something that you want to have towards your name. And he started the year out at tight end, and the soul in their first game against the Blackjacks lost their center before halftime. And then from the rest of the season on, he had been playing center. He had done it before, but it just kind of goes to show his versatility. He's played fullback in the league before, too. He can obviously play guard or tight end as well. You have a guy who can play all four spots. Um, I think he was definitely deserving of the second-team center. They also put Kyron Samuels on there as well. Uh, I think that's just one of those things where they tied. Yeah, their total points were the same. So they both were, were named on there. Joe Hills was on the second team list. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, man, I really didn't feel like – I felt like they did a pretty good job. Um, like I mentioned, six teams is way, way harder to put together a list like this. Um, right. Naturally, your selections are super limited. Arena football rosters are smaller in general, so – I mean, if you look at the stats list, the you know the quarterbacks, those two had the most total touchdowns. The receivers probably had the most yards, most receptions, yada yada yada. Um, defensive linemen probably had the most sacks. Corners probably had the most picks. Um, I think that's you know kind of how they went and did it. And then you can also you know go back and look at film for the offensive linemen and stuff like that. And obviously everyone you're going to go back and look at film for. But um, stats don't lie. I and Scott don't lie. So that's how you're going to determine these types of things. I really didn't feel like there was too many. You know, too many misses on there. Uh, I'll let you get into the Keontae Northington thing. I know you definitely, you know, Joe Vaughn was texting me yesterday like, man, what the heck? And I, I think you even tweeted it too. So um, I know you're going to have a lot to say about that. Um, but, no, I felt like they got it right. Maybe you could have argued, you know, Fabian Garrett should be on there. Maybe in that third receiver spot. He had a pretty fun year. He was definitely dominant all season. But, Joe Hills is a wily veteran. He was very good once again. He missed – I think he missed a game or two due to injury. That doesn't necessarily help. Early on in the season, I think he was on the field for one drive, caught his touchdown, and then didn't play again against the Soul. So when you have games like that, it can hurt your stats. But he was – I mean, talent-wise, obviously, Joe Hills is all arena every year. He's one of the best receivers right. in this league. I don't care if he's first team, second team, third team, fifth team. He's one of the best receivers in this league. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like they got too much wrong. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I didn't think they got. I, I think, like you said, if it's hard to distinguish, you know, who's first team, who's second team with only six teams. Now, if they add two more teams or three more or four more next, you know, next season, then that, then I think there will be more of a discussion on. I think there'll be more of a discussion on who should be first team and who should be second team because we'll have a wide variety of options to pick from. It's like going to the grocery store. you got a wide variety of options uh, to choose for, whatever your flavor is or the flavor of the month or the week. But that being said, I did have one discrepancy, and that was I thought that um, 
I truly thought that, you know, Keontae Northington should have made a uh, second team. And, you know, I get why Tevin Homer, you know, made it. He stood out in an Albany secondary that has been up and down. They've been very inconsistent. And, you know, he's, he led the league in tackles with eighty with 85 uh, and a half tackles. Uh, he had a force fumble. He had an interception. He had six pass breakups. Cool. Granted, I get it. And like I said, Albany secondary has been up and down. However, it has to say something when in, in, in Homer's a rookie too, just like Norton. However, it has to say something when an expansion team like AC does not look like an expansion team from the jump and their defense has been better. In my opinion, their defense, their secondary, to be honest, I thought have been better than Albany's uh, secondary. And I thought Northington, you know, I thought he played really, really well this season for, for what is worth. I mean, he has 63 and a half total tackles, which isn't a slouch. That's actually second behind Homer. Uh, he had one and a half tackles for loss, two INTs and eight pass breakups. So the numbers are very similar, but I just saw Harrison impact wise. I thought that Northington made more of an impact than Homer. Now I could be wrong because when Albany, all we think about is offense and not really so much the defense. And if we do think defense is more the defensive line, not the secondary, but in my opinion, for an expansion squad, I thought Northington and those guys in AC, they did an excellent job this season. Uh, I, th- I think a big part of it for Keontae might have been when he moved from the middle to backside. I think that might have taken uh, away from maybe putting right. him on, just kind of right. listening to what you were saying and then thinking about when he kind of got dinged up in one game. I don't think he ever formally came out, but he did. He moved from the middle to backside because he was a little hampered by injury. Um, and they had Marvin Ross, who had the ability to play the middle. Um, I think that could have been a big part of it. And then another thing was he had one interception this year that got called back because of, like, hands to the face, or I forget the exact penalty. But he got called back. He got an interception, flag, called back. He would have had three then. He would have had two more than Homer. I think that would have definitely got him on there as well. But either way, I mean, all arena is nice. You want to have that. You want to have the award. Uh, those are two rookies who have a bright future of playing football moving forward. Uh, Keontae showed a, a lot of good things this year. and Even if he isn't second team all arena, he was right in the discussion as a rookie. Had a very positive season. Had a great year last year with the Massachusetts Pirates in the NAL. Um, and he's a guy who's young enough and has that versatility to be able to play corner or safety outdoors. Um, he could be a guy who gets an XFL look or maybe potentially an NFL workout or something of that nature. So, uh, definitely a bright future for both of those guys. The all arena now went to Homer, but they both had a good season. They both had times where they really displayed uh, a lot of talent and a lot of potential in this league. So looking forward to seeing what both of them do. All arena is cool and all that, but at the end of the day, uh, the eye in the sky don't lie. So whatever you're putting on game tape, sending out to these scouts, that's what matters, not the, not the award. Definitely. I, I, I have no disagreements there, sir. And and like you said, and like we've been reiterating, they both, you know, like you said, both rookies, they're, they're, they're going to have outstanding football careers. And you would agree with me, like we've talked about this entire season, the AFL is in a great spot with so many young players. And I think that was on display a lot this season. Yeah, and I'm hoping for just more and more influx of young players from essentially some of these different leagues. But then also just from guys straight out of college. Listen, I mean, there's a lot of guys who get the NFL opportunity as undrafted free agents, um, workouts and all that. But there's also a lot of guys from good schools, from schools that we watch every Saturday, uh, like Penn right. State, Alabama, Ohio State. There are seniors from that team who may have contributed and played who don't get any opportunity and are looking for a home. Um, even mm-hmm. if it's just a special teams guy from one of those schools or a Division two guy, a Division three guy, an FCS guy, and, you know, whatever division you want to say, I mean, there are guys who graduate from there and finish playing football and don't have an opportunity to continue playing football. And some of those guys can be talented players. So I'm really I'm, – I'm looking forward to the offseason. That's one of my favorite times of the year in the league. I know it sounds weird to say, but I love watching the free agency tracks and transactions. It's been kind of lame these past two years. We haven't had any at all until, like, March, and then it's, you know, just an overload of transactions. But – this year, it definitely is looking like we're going to get some earlier on in the offseason. So it's going to be a lot of fun to, you know, 
kind of just sit back and watch film and, and see how some of these guys, you know, looked on their college tapes and stuff like that. I remember back in 2015, uh, 2014, watching Jake Metz Schippensburg highlight when I saw his name on the transaction wire and thinking, oh, this guy could be, you know, kind of good. And he wound up being one of the best yeah, in the league for a few years. So it's fun watching that transaction wire and seeing a guy in college who you're like, oh, wow, he's, He's killing it in this highlight tape. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the spring. So I'm looking forward to this offseason, seeing a lot of young guys. I know there's a lot of a lot of guys who are looking for that shot in some of the lower leagues and some of the, the NAL and IFL and CIF and, right. and all of those, AAL. All the time we always see, you know, looking for that shot, you know, let me get a workout, yada, yada, uh, you know, going out to camps and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see who gets that opportunity, excited to see who goes to camp. We've been talking quarterbacks all the time, and that's always a question mark, too, um, just from a developmental point is how many good quarterbacks are in the league. I think there's a lot of good backup quarterbacks in the league. I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks in some of these lower-level leagues, too. Um, Drew Powell was with Atlantic City in camp this year, didn't make it once they signed Hippard and still had Warren on the roster, too. But he went down to Arizona and led an almost perfect season until that championship game. He was one of the best in the league. Um, mm-hmm. EJ Hilliard won MVP down in the IFL as a quarterback. He had a really good season. Um, and then there's guys in the NAL too. So there's, there's you know, Charles, it's Charles, to sit Charles back McCollum and, from Carolina. There you go. Yup. He's been, he's been another guy who's really looking for his shot in the AFL. So it'll be cool to see who gets those opportunities. It'll be cool to see which expansion teams we get for them to maybe sign to. I mean, let's knock on wood, cross our fingers, all that type of stuff. But, one week from today, we're maybe supposed to know the expansion team. I'm just saying, at media day, if you're readable, <laughs> I'm just saying, one week from today, it's Friday, next Friday, maybe. We hope. Who we knows? Hope. Who knows? Or maybe at the game, at the readable, I don't know their plans, but we're hoping to know, you know, these expansion teams within the next few days. Hopefully they make an announcement. Uh, y'all know how that goes, though. Who knows, man? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> cross your fingers, do your rain dances all that superstitious stuff. But, yeah, it'll be it'll be a fun offseason, man. It'll be fun to get that transaction wire going earlier this year, get to look at some of these films. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, before we wrap up, you know, this, this week's edition of the HMP, we do have to give our picks and DraftKings selections. Last week, you know, we both picked the soul to win, and I was the idiot, decided, you know what, let's buck the trend and go Baltimore, and Baltimore let me down. However... In DraftKings, Darius Reynolds was a huge, was a huge, 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 huge play in uh, DraftKings for me this week. You know, shout out to Harrison for the for 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 the suggestion. Uh, if you played Darius Reynolds this week and uh, last week in FanDuel, he gave you about forty and a half points, which ultimately led me to have my best finish ever when it comes to uh, DraftKings and AFL. I finished, got actually in third place, so that was actually an accomplishment. It was actually an accomplishment. So, you know, shout out to Harrison for the for the for the for the advice there for the DraftKings, and you know, we look forward to this weekend's uh, games. Harrison, who who are your picks for both games, and what are we looking at? Who's who's that diamond in the rough? Who can be this week's Darius Reynolds, or can Darius Reynolds be Darius Reynolds uh, this week for DraftKings? Well, this is like when you have an NFL fantasy football league, which are starting up soon. Super excited about that. But this is like when you have a league that's in week 17 and runs that championship that week. You're you're kind of not sure how much people are going to play. So this week you might be a little bit hesitant to maybe put Dan Rodabaugh or Tommy Grady as your captain or Malachi Jones or anyone like that. So it's tough to say who to put as the captain. It's going to be real interesting. I think the safer pick, would be whoever Baltimore starts at quarterback and Arvell Nelson because they'll be in the game the entire time no matter what. I mean, we're assuming. So I think that might be the safer pick for the captain. For my pick of the week, I'm going to get a little creative with that same theory in mind, thinking that teams could start to pull their players. I'm going to say B.J. Bunn. Um, I think B.J. Bunn will be in the game the entire time for the soul. I think he'll be the number three to start the game with Reynolds and Prince. But then as things develop, we could see Alani Outlaw and Jordan Williams come into the game, and then B.J. Bunn would still be in his spot, still taking some of the motions and still on the wall and stuff like that. So I think B.J. Bunn will see a lot of time on that same theory. I'm going to say Colin Taylor in Albany. I think Colin Taylor and D.J. Stevens could be interesting picks for that same reason. I think they'll wind up getting 
a lot of time and a lot of routes at the end of the game. So might have to get a little creative this week on DraftKings um, just because of the nature of these two games with the 35- and 36-point cushions. The teams might be a little bit more inclined to pull their players at halftime. So it's going to be interesting. I would say in general, Washington and Baltimore players would be a safer pick. They'll probably be on the field for most of the game. Right, and you just mentioned B.J. Bunn. I just checked DraftKings. This is almost like breaking news, so we might as well break news right now. Cue my breaking news music. I don't have it. But B.J. Uh, <laughs> Bunn was placed on injured reserve on Friday. You know who will be taking his place? None other than Aaron Washa. He will be activated off injured reserve to take his place. This is coming off of DraftKings uh, right now. I just checked the DraftKings app. Aaron Washer wow. will be activated off of injured reserve to take his place. That what is what is being. I don't know. I'm looking at his. Um, I'm looking at just the practice things. It says uh, da 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 update. BJ Bunn was limited during Wednesday's practice. John Starks of uh, of ArenaFan.com reports uh, Thursday Bunn was limited practice participant Thursday. Um, then Friday, it says update, Bun did not practice Friday. And then it just says B.J. Bun was placed on injured reserve on Friday. Aaron Wash will be activated to offer injured reserve to take his place. It, so, could be, it could potentially be a smaller thing. Yeah, it is on there. It's on there. B.J. Bun to IR. It could be a smaller thing because it's later in the season. There's only two weeks left. So even if it's right. a minor injury that's going to last two or three weeks, you would still put him on IR. Well, all right, so I'm going to take my B.J. Bunn pick. Uh, I'm going to take that one back now that I know he's on IR. It was a good pick in theory. Um, I'm going to just switch it to Colin Taylor and uh, and D.J. Stevens out in Albany. But Aaron Wasa, that's real interesting to see him come back at this time of the year. It's something that had kind of been in the back of some people's minds around the soul. Um, mm-hmm. He's been week to week for a while, and it appears that he's you know fully healthy and ready to go. It'll be real interesting to see how much they use him this week in a 36-point lead game. Um, maybe let him go back out there and get his feel, run some routes, hit the wall a few times, and definitely different practicing against foam and inflatable walls and being out there and hitting up against hockey boards. So um, it might be good to let him get the feel of the game before the arena bowl, but BJ Bun to IR, definitely disappointed to see that. Um, I think we can definitely say that we saw a lot of positives from B.J. Bunn in his rookie year. I think For sure. he made a, a lot of strides throughout the season. I remember week one, it was kind of a little bit nervous to put him in. And as the season went on, I mean, it just felt like a lot of comfort from Dan Rodeball towards him. So, hey, Aaron Washington off IR. Let's, let's see what he can do this weekend and then potentially in the arena ball against Albany. Yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge, you know, it's a disappointment to see Bun going out. But you add Washa with Prince and Reynolds, and then you got Outlaw off the bench. I mean, that's a tall wide receiving core. I don't know about you, but that's a tall wide receiving wide receiver core that uh, that can get vertical at any moment of the game. So yeah, um, I, we'll we'll definitely see what happens for me. I'm going to Albany in the in the soul as well. I think both of those teams, you know, they hold serve. They they put in they pour it on in the first half and in the second half. That's when you start seeing the backups uh coming in as well. For me, for DraftKings, I'm probably I'm probably gonna go Desmond Epps again. Epps had ten points last week. He's had good games against the soul this season. I'm still going to go Des Epps as well. And, you know, shoot, you know, if uh, if Washington makes an appearance on DraftKings, I might as well, I might, I might as well if I went and go Aaron Washington, right? Can't hurt at this point. I would. You know, going with going with that, I mean, he can, he can have a Money Reynolds type performance and, you know, money, that was huge. Having him back in that soul lineup is huge, and I think it's going to be huge going into Sunday's game and then, and then, uh, and then, then you know, going into possibly the Arena Bowl against the Albany Empire. But um, that's pretty much it um, here on the HMP. We really appreciate everybody for checking us out again uh, twice now uh, this week. We appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Jovan10. You can follow Harrison on Twitter at Harry Brown Russo. 
uh, Harrison, anything people should be looking out uh, from you from the uh, from the arena fan side of things? Well, going to head down to Philly this weekend on Sunday and uh, just kind of recap this playoff series, finish it up. It's looking like the Solar are going to end it with a you know a huge margin of victory, um, and then head on out to Albany. Um, I'm looking forward to the trip to Albany next week. Looking forward to getting out there and covering the Arena Bowl. Hopefully, you know having a, a great expansion story coming out of Media Day or Sunday, whenever whenever they announce. I'm hoping to have a great story with a lot of quotes from you know different people throughout the league. Um, really appreciate Romaine, James Romaine, for uh, our interview the other day. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. I uh, really appreciate him for coming on and, and talking with us, talking the ball with us. Um, not too much else, man. Just going to, you know, keep doing these podcasts with you. Next time we talk to everyone on the High Motion Podcast, is going to be Arena Bowl week. That's crazy, man. This season went fast. Yeah, I know. I didn't I didn't, I didn't. didn't think the, the season was going to fly. You know, I didn't think the season was going to fly that fast. And like you said, shoot, that definitely – it, it flew. It definitely flew fast than what I think it was. But that just shows how fun of a season it has been. It's been a fun season. It's been fun to watch. You know, and sometimes there's a little bit close calls. Wondering if there's gonna be no TV. If there's gonna be a TV partner. Hopefully, we don't have to play that game no more <laughs> going into uh, uh, next season. But hey, it's definitely been fun, and we'll do it again next week. Hopefully, looking, talking about, you know, breaking down, you know breaking down what happens, um, breaking down the uh, previewing, excuse me, the Arena Bowl, you know, breaking down the other awards because all the other awards will be announced as well by the time the next time we talk. And looking, hopefully, hopefully we're talking about expansion. That should be fun um, as well. But, again, for me and Harrison, we really appreciate everybody taking the time out of your day to, t- to tune us in on your phone or wherever, wherever you check us out at. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you talk to you all next week where we'll be previewing Arena Bowl thirty two.